I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost is in this house. Oh, I love you, Jesus. I magnify you, God. I magnify you, God. You're great and greatly to be praised. There's nobody like you, Jesus. Do you believe that? There's nobody like you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And I just feel peace in the house. I feel peace in the house. If you have your Bibles tonight, let's turn to Psalms chapter 77. I'm going to read a few verses of Scripture. Verse 1 through 10. Psalm 77. turning there, I want to just give honor to our headship, our pastor, pastor's wife, Sister Mayo. I'm thankful that, you know, I'm about to have a little baby. <laughs> and there's nothing more than I can be thankful of, and that child is going to grow up in this church and hear truth. She's going to hear holiness, separation, one God, Holy Ghost infilling, baptism in the name of Jesus. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for a pastor that still preaches truth. I'm thankful for that. Give honor to my lovely wife. I appreciate all her help, her prayers, and she's carrying her. A little promised child. I'm thankful for that. I want to give honor to all the, the young people. Man, we love our young people. Do you love your young people? This is the next generation. I believe this is the next generation of world changers. I believe that God's going to use this generation in a mighty way. I believe that. And lastly, I want to give honor to all the parents of the young people. They wouldn't be here without you. And I want to give you honor and thank you for all your sacrifice, bringing them consistently to youth on Fridays, to special events. And I, I want to give honor. That, that There's nothing greater than a young person to see what, what the man of God brings forth from this pulpit and see it be alive and in action in the home. There's nothing greater than that. And so I give you honor, parents. Uh, for, for doing the work of God and raising up your children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. Psalm 77. This is a psalm to the chief musician to Jeduthun, a psalm of Asaph. And it says, I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice. And he gave ear unto me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My soul ran in the night, and I ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God, and I was troubled. I complained, and my spirit was overwhelmed. Selah. Thou holdest my eyes waking. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. 
I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I commune with mine own heart and my spirit made diligent search. Will the Lord cast off forever? And will he be favorable no more? Is his mercy clean gone forever? Doth his promises fail evermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Selah. And I said, this is my infirmity. But I will remember, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the most high God. But I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. And I want to preach to you from a burden in my heart. It's okay if I give everything I've got. Listen, I'm going to give everything I've got. The devil has been messing with me, with me for weeks, and I'm, I just think it's payback time. I'm going to give it everything i got. Listen, my prayer, my prayer, we've been having an amazing church. My prayer is that, God, don't let me stifle the flow of the Holy Ghost. Don't let me stifle the flow of the Spirit. And Saturday night, Saturday night, I could not sleep. It's troubled in my mind. I got up to pray. And this psalm here, Psalm 77, infatuated me. It infatuated me to about midnight. And then Brother Kerry Jones got up to preach voices. And he confirmed the word God had given me. And I just want to do what, the, what, what our great pastor says. He says, you know what? If you got the enemy down, you might as well cut the head off. And I want to cut the head off every lying voice of Satan tonight. Now I'm going to preach to you. I'm going to preach to you, to you from this thought. A wrong diagnosis. A wrong diagnosis. Do you believe that? I, I come to expose every lie of Satan. It's the wrong diagnosis. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. That's not what God says about you. That's not what God says about you. Oh, if you believe that, clap your hands unto the Lord. Oh, Jesus. You may be seated. Man, this mic's hot. Psalm 77 is a psalm to the chief musician, Jeduthun, a psalm of Asaph. This psalm is written by Asaph, the great musician and singer of David in Solomon's era. Now, we don't know too much about this man named Asaph, but we do know that he was the choir leader in worship within the tabernacle. Asaph would go to write 12 of the Psalms within the book of Psalms, and not much is known about his life other than what we can gather through the Psalms he wrote. And in Psalm 77, we find Asaph going through a season of trouble. 
Psalm 77 begins with some of the most distressing language within the Bible. Psalm 77 expresses the same deep discouragement found in Job and Ecclesiastes. The psalmist, for the first 10 verses, is overcome by affliction and despair and yet finds no relief from God. And Asaph said, I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and he gave ear unto me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord, my sore ran in the night, and I ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. And I've, he's saying, I've sought God. I did the right thing in my trouble, and I cried out to him with my voice, and I know he's heard me, and yet I am still troubled. And I cried out to him in prayer, yet I feel no comfort. I lifted up my voice. I know he's heard me, yet I am still in distress. And he goes on to say, I remember God, and he was troubled, and I, I complained, and my spirit was overwhelmed, Ceylon. And I, I, he's saying, I brought my knees before God, yet I am still overwhelmed. Scripture goes on to say, Thou holdest my eyes waking. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. God, I am so troubled. I cannot even sleep. I am so troubled. God, I don't have any breath. I can't pray another prayer. I, I can't think of another thought, God. I'm, I can't even sleep, God. I'm disturbed. I'm troubled. And so this worship leader, he, he, he turns to all he knows to do, and he begins to worship. He says, maybe singing will bring an answer. Maybe worship will bring relief to this situation. But still, there is nothing no sound from God, no relief from God. And he says, and he seeks in his heart, maybe there's sin, maybe, maybe he learned from David when David said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So he searches his heart for sin and still silence, no reprieve, no reprieve from his burden. And in verse number seven, we see a shift in the prayers. As doubt begins to creep in, he begins to question God. Will the Lord cast off forever? And will he be favorable no more? He's saying, has the Lord forgotten me forever? Has the Lord rejected me once and for all? Will he never be kind to me again? Is his mercy clean gone forever? Doth his promises fail forevermore? Has his mercy run dry? God, have I used up all my grace? All the grace of God, have I used it up? God, will your promises ever come to pass? Verse 9 says, Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Hath God forgotten about me? You can see the anguish and, and the distraught in his voice. He's saying, God, have you forgotten about me? Am I the only one that's had those type of prayers? <laughs> Where you get into a place of desperation. God, I'm not hearing from you. I, I feel empty. I feel void. God, have you forgotten about me? Hath an anger shut up his tender mercies? God, have you slammed the door on your mercies and your grace? And Asaph said, this, 
this, this is my infirmity. The word here, infirmity, in the Hebrew is translated as to be sick or to make sick or diseased. What Asaph is saying is, he's saying this, this situation, this loneliness, this absent voice of God, this affliction, this infirmity, my, my torment, this is my diagnosis. The Lord has rejected me. This is my diagnosis. It's official. The Lord has forsaken me. This is my diagnosis. The Lord has forgotten me. This is my fate. I'm just going to have to struggle with this secret addiction. I'm just going to have to struggle in silence now. I'm just going to have to struggle with depression for the rest of my life. I'm going to have to struggle with anxiety for the rest of my life. This is my fate. This is my diagnosis. It's official, God. I'm always going to have marital issues. I'm always going to have trouble in my life. I'm always going to struggle feeling insecure. I'm always going to have to struggle with the hurt from my childhood the rest of my life. But I've come to preach to someone tonight and address the lies of the enemy. You have been wrongly diagnosed. You have been wrongly diagnosed. That is not the official report. What does God say about you? What does God say about your situation? What does God say about your trouble? What does God say about your problem? What has he got to say about you? You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are fashioned after his likeness. You are made in the image of God. What does God have to say about you? The devil may have convinced you that God has forsaken you. Let me tell you, you've been misdiagnosed. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The devil may have said, this is the way it's always gonna be. But God said, I make all things new. The devil said, you've run out of mercy. But God said, my mercy is new each morning. In fact, I'm rich in mercy. The devil said, God's promises will never come to pass. But God said, all the promises in him are yea, and in him are amen. The devil may have diagnosed you with depression but God said in thy presence is the fullness of joy at that right hand and our pleasures are forevermore the devil may have diagnosed you with anxiety but God said I've got to give you I'm not giving the spirit of fear but a power of love and a sound mind the devil may have diagnosed you with an addiction but God said it is my anointing that breaks every yoke if you believe that clap your hands Come on, whose report are you going to believe? I'm going to, I choose to believe in the report of the Lord. I'm going to just go ahead and believe the report of the Lord. I'm not going to listen to the report and the mixed diagnosis of Satan. I'm going to believe in the report of the Lord. I'm going to just go ahead and believe the report of the Lord. Come on. Come on, you can get your healing right now. You can get your miracle right now. I just believe God can change your mind. I've been praying that the scales will be taken away from someone's eyes. Oh, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. The devil is not the great physician. The devil is not the great physician. In fact, he is the father of lies. I'm I choose to believe in the report of the great physician. 
I'm going to believe in who he says I am. So how does, how does the, the choir leader, how does the choir leader of the tabernacle get to a place in his spirit where he begins to believe, believe the lies of the enemy? This is the great singer and the musician Asaph. He leads the choir on Sundays and he's written 12 psalms and surely he's a man of faith. But in anguish, in desire to hear the voice of God and just to get reprieve from his situation, he cries out, yet there is only silence. He is troubled all night long, yet silence. He seeks the Lord even more, still no answer from God. He tries worship, still nothing but silence. He seeks his heart for sin, yet no relief from his current situation. He is frustrated, anguished, and at a place of total despair. And in that despair, doubt begins to overcome him. And he states, hath God forgotten to be gracious? Has he has he forgotten me? God, have you forgotten me? God, have you forgotten me? I have a question for you, Asaph. Has God forgotten or have you forgotten? I'm going to say that again. Has God forgotten or have you forgotten? You know what Israel's problem was in the wilderness? You know why they had such an inferiority complex? It's because they had a memory issue. They chose, remember, the fish, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic of Egypt. Oh, we had it good in Egypt. Oh, we got all that fish freely. We barely had to work for it. It was cheap. Pharaoh was just handing it out like candy. Oh, you remember those melons? Woo! That garlic, those onions, man, their breath stank. <laughs> man, we had it good in Egypt. But they forgot how God delivered them from Pharaoh. They remembered the fish they had so freely in Egypt, but they forgot how God sent 10 supernatural plagues to break the human will of Pharaoh and set them free. They remembered the cucumbers, but forgot how God led them by a pillar of cloud by day and by a pillar of fire by night. And they remembered the, the melons, but they forgot how God made a way out of no way and parted the waters of the Red Sea into a heap on both sides. And they remembered the leeks, but forgot how God led them through the Red Sea on dry ground. And they remembered, remembered the onions, but they forgot how God crushed the entire army of Pharaoh and his chariots under the Red Sea. They had a memory issue. They had a memory issue. It's called selective memory. Sometimes my wife says I have selective memory. Praise God. <laughs> they chose to forget the miracles he did in Egypt and in the wilderness. They chose to. The devil wants nothing more. He wants nothing more than for you to forget all that God has done in your life. It's the ability to remember that builds our faith. 
I'm going to say that again. It's the ability to remember how good God is that builds our faith. If the enemies rob you of your faith, he's got your power. If he's got your power, he's got your potential. I ain't going to let anything rob me of my faith. He's been good to me. He's been better than good. He's been better than I deserve. Oh, he loved me before I even loved him. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's just dwell on how good he is. Oh, he's been good. He's been good. He's been better than good. Oh, he's been a friend that's sick is closer than a brother. Oh, he's been good. He's been a good father that knows how to give good gifts to his children. He's been better than good. I'm not going to forget. I am not going to forget of your mercy. God, I'm not going to forget of your grace. I'm not going to forget of your blessings. I'm not going to forget of your kindness. Come on. We can't forget. We can't forget where he's brought us from. We can't, we can't forget that he's brought us out of the sin in the depths of darkness of sin. We can't forget. We can't forget. If Satan robs you of your memory, the memory of what God has done in your life, he's got your faith. Psalm 78 verse 9 gives us a little more insight to this, this memory problem that Israel had. And it says, the children of Ephraim, being armed and carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle. They kept not the covenant of God and refused to walk in his law and forgot his works and forgot his works and his wonders that he had showed them. Marvelous things did he did in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt, in the field of Zoan. And he divided the sea and caused them to pass through, and he made the waters to stand as a heap. And in the daytime he led them with a cloud, and at night with a light of fire. And he clave the rocks in the wilderness, and he gave them drink out of the great depths. And he brought streams also out of the rock and caused water, waters to run down like rivers, and they sinned yet more against him, provoking the Most High in the wilderness. They forgot his works. They forgot his wonders that he showed them in the wilderness. After all God had did for them, after all of the mighty wonders, after everything he showed them and how he delivered them with his right hand and power, and after all the works God did for Israel, they forgot his works. And when it came time to go up and fight the enemy, Israel being armed with bows and they are equipped for war and God, with God on their side, in the time of battle, they turned back and fled in fear of the enemy. Listen, God has equipped all of us for battle. He equipped the Israelites for battle with, uh, they, he armed them with, uh, with 
uh, armed them for war and they had bows and most of all, God was on their side. Yet they retreated as cowards in the day of battle. Listen, God's already equipped you to be victorious. God has already equipped you to be victorious. You just gotta have enough faith to go out into the battle. You just gotta have a little bit of faith, the size of the grain of a mustard seed, to go out into the battle. You gotta faith it till you make it. Just a little bit of faith and go out in the battle. Listen, when you pair what God has equipped you with and with faith, the victory is the Lord. The victory is the Lord's. When you pair the word of God with faith in action, the victory is the word's. You're unstoppable force. You're an unstoppable force for the kingdom of God. When I pair my life with the word of God and the faith he has given me, for he has given every man a measure of faith. And that's why I pray, God, help me to use the faith you've given me, God. It may be a little bit, but I'm going to use it. God, I'm going to pour myself out. I'm going to wring out every little last drop of faith. God, because I trust you. I trust in your word. I'm going to put faith in action. For we don't walk by sight, but we walk by faith. Do you believe that? We walk by faith. We got to have faith. We got to have faith. Because Israel forgot about how God delivered them out of Egypt. Their faith was squashed. Forgetting creates fragile faith. Forgetting creates fragile faith. God stressed the importance of remembering. Time after time in Deuteronomy, God said, don't forget about how I brought you out of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. Don't you forget, Israel. Remember that time I split the waters for you. Israel, don't forget how I brought you out of hard labor and slavery out of the house of Pharaoh. Don't you forget it's listed several times throughout the book of Deuteronomy. Don't forget, don't forget Israel. A few, several weeks ago, I was asked to do a chapel service for the school across the street, and God gave me just a, a, little, a little Sunday school lesson. It's just, a, it's just a Sunday school lesson. And I began to talk about my best friend. I began to reaccount I begin to reaccount every little thing he has done for me. I begin to recount my earliest memories of how God was for me, how God provided for me and my family, and how he, how he loved me, and how he was so intentional with me at such an early and young age. And as I begin to write out every time that he spared my life, and he, he, he had a, man, I got a good angel. I've put him to work in my teenage years and every time he spared me when I should have been dead when I when I should have died in a hospital from pneumonia he brought me out and when I should have died in in stupid accidents and the stupid things I did and he brought me out and how he brought me out of, of, of darkness and uncertainty and I begin to write down and record every little thing he has done for me and I could not help but bawl like a baby, just hunched over at my desk when I begin to recall, oh God, you've been so good. Oh, you've been so good. You've been better than good. 
You've been better than good. When I should have been dead, you were there. Oh, when I was lonely, you were there. You've been a friend that stick is closer than a brother. Oh, when I rejected you, you didn't reject me. Oh, he's been so good. In writing that out, in writing that out, recording every little thing and every big thing he's done for me. It was one of the most powerful experiences I've ever had in my life. And I began to contemplate how, how good is my God. You know what? If he never does anything good for me, he's already done enough. He's already done enough. If he never does anything good for me, he's done enough. He's done enough. I'm, I'm, I'm standing on two legs. I got breath in my lungs. My heart's beating. I got a sound mind. I'm in the house of God on a Tuesday night. I got a beautiful wife and a baby on the way. My family's in church. I'm serving God. I'm loving God. He's gracious. He's been good. He's been better than 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 good. Come on. Do you believe that? He's been better than good. Come on, let's just thank him. We gotta thank him. We gotta give honor where honor is due. Oh, you've been better than good. You've been better than good. Oh, you've been better than good. There is power in remembering. There is power in remembering. That's why I love what Asaph said. And I said, this is my infirmity. But I will remember. But I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. It's seeming as Asaph is awakened out of his self-pity. And he gathers himself and says, it may seem like it's always going to be like this. It, it, this just seems like this is my diagnosis. Asif, he comes to himself, he says, I'm going to remember. I'm going to remember what he has done for me. I know it looks like I'm in a bad spot, but I'm going to remember every time he has delivered me. Devil, I know you've diagnosed me with depression, but I'm going to remember every time he gave me joy. I say we run that depression out of here. Depression, get out of town in the name of Jesus. The fullness of joy is here. The glory of God is here. Oh, he gives me unspeakable joy. He gives me unspeakable joy. It is not the will of God for you to be bound by fear and depression. I'm telling you, if you got the Holy Ghost, you've been misdiagnosed saying you got depression, you gotta take psychotropic meds. Listen, the Holy Ghost is the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. Yes, I believe that. I believe that. I'm gonna remember. I'm gonna remember. I know it looks like nothing can come out of this but I am going to remember every single time he made a way out of no way. Hey, I've got a made-up mind. I don't care how 
crazy my life gets. I don't care what happens in my life, whether there's chaos. I am not. I have made up my mind. I am not going to forget what God has done for me. I'm not going to forget how he spared my life. I'm not going to forget how he restored my mind. I'm not going to forget how he led me out of sin and into his marvelous light. I'm not going to forget how he has blessed me. I'm not going to forget about how he has provided every single time. He gave me the job when I wasn't qualified. Oh, he blessed me when I didn't deserve it. He restored me when I didn't deserve it. He equipped me with Holy Ghost power. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm not going to forget. I am not going to forget. Come on, we can't forget. Hey, we can't forget. We gotta remember, remember that time God delivered you from heroin. He delivered you from an overdose. We can't forget the time God spared you from that car wreck. We can't forget the time you were on the brink of insanity. We cannot forget, we cannot forget, we cannot forget. I hope, I pray, I pray that some of us have not been saved so long that we have forgotten where he has brought us from. I pray, God, let that not be the case. Let that not be the case for Cornerstone, God. Oh, let that not be the case for Cornerstone. God, we will always remember where you brought us from. God, I remember when you brought us from Broadway and across the street, God. And I remember when you brought us across the street into this building, God. And I just believe we're going to keep moving. I just believe we're going to keep going in the Holy Ghost. I am not going to forget where you brought us from. I am not going to forget where you brought us from. I am not going to forget. I'm not going to forget. Can I just expose some tactics of the enemy? Scripture says, let Satan should get advantage of, us, advantage of us. We are not ignorant of his devices. We're not ignorant. I'm gonna, listen, you know why the devil fights you so hard on Bible reading? Let me tell you why he fights you on Bible reading. It's because if he knows if you get the word in you, you're going to start remembering some things. If you get the word in you and it's in your heart and it's upon your lips, you're going to start recalling some things that God's done in the past. You're going to remember, you know what? His word still stands today. It's still in action today. It's still alive today. God, I don't know how you're going to get me out of this storm, but if you did it for Noah, you can do it for me. God, I don't know how you're going to bless me out here in the wilderness, but if you did it for Abraham, God, you can do it for me. God, I don't know how you're going get to this, get this giant out of my life, but if you did it for David, you can do it for me. God, I don't know how you're going to use me, but if you did it for Moses, you can do it for me. God, I don't know how you're going to forgive me even when I denied you three times, but you did it for Peter, you can do it for me. I just believe that word still applies to us today. I just believe it. I believe it. Hey, that word is alive today. It's dangerous to forget. It's dangerous. Forgetting what the Lord has done in your life opens the door for the false physician to come in and start making some wrong diagnosis. Listen, the devil is, he ain't got no medical degree. Why you listen to somebody that ain't got no medical degree? 
He's the false physician. Listen, he hasn't got one diagnosis right. He's the father of lies. The truth is not in him. He's the false physician. Why are you listening to him? Man, that's like taking a medical device from Dr. Google. Man, you, 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 you type in, you got a headache. Next thing you know, you, you got some kind of a spinal disease, and you're going to die within 24 minutes. Don't be listened to the, the, the false physician. Don't be listened to him. His, his, his doctor reviews are awful. Let me tell you, they're awful. Don't be listened to him. Listen, the devil is playing the same game. He's been doing this misdiagnosing stuff since the beginning of time. It started back in the garden. Adam and Eve, they sin. They eat the fruit. And the Bible says that their eyes were open and they knew they were naked. And nakedness is a type of shame. And so they try to cover up their sin the best they can. They sow some fig leaves together and God goes down to walk with Adam in the cool of the day and Adam is hiding in the garden and the Lord calls out to Adam and he says, hey, Adam, where are you? And Adam responds, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And God responds, who told you that thou was naked? Who told him? Nakedness was not even a concept for Adam and Eve. Who told? Who told them they were naked? It's that false physician. He said, ah, I'm diagnosing the first one that sinned. You're to live in shame the rest of your life. You're going to live in unworthiness the rest of your life. This is my diagnosis. Adam, you're never going to be enough. Eve, you've sinned too great. You're both a failure. You had it perfect and you messed up. You could have had every other tree in the garden, but you messed up. This is the false physician's diagnosis. He said, you're naked. Naked, nakedness wasn't a concept. And when Israel sent the 12 spies to search out the promised land, they came back with an evil report. Listen, the devil still, he, he keeps lying. He keeps doing this same thing with, throughout the word of God. And they say, yeah, the land is fruitful and it's fertile, but the, oh man, those people, they're strong. And they have walled cities. And did I mention giants? Did I mention that we saw the giants of Anak there? And we were but grasshoppers in their sight. Who was telling them that they were grasshoppers? Not God. Not the God that says that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Not the God that says you're a great people. Not the God that says you're strong and mighty. Not the God that says greater is he that's within me than he who is in the world. Not that, not that physician. The false physician. The devil, the father of lies. He said, you know what? You're grasshoppers. He convinced them they were nothing but grasshoppers. God said they were great, but Satan said 
they were nothing. They believed a wrong diagnosis. Therefore, an entire generation did not inherit the promised land. Listen, I believe there's enough faith in this house right now that you can come out of that false, that wrong diagnosis tonight. Tonight. I believe this with all my heart. I feel the anointing of God from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. I believe there is deliverance in the house tonight. Why wait? Why wait? If God's got restoration, why wait? If you need healing in your mind, why wait? Oh, why wait? Oh, come on. I believe that. We need to believe that right now. Come on, I'm getting close to, to wrapping up, but we need to believe that right now. God, I pray for faith to rise right now. If you got the Holy Ghost, pray in the Holy Ghost. Jude chapter 1 verse 20 says, building up your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. I believe it. Jesus is by far the greatest example of overcoming a wrong diagnosis. Jesus was accused and labeled as a child of an illegitimate relationship, but in fact, he was the son of God. Jesus was thought to be a nobody from Nazareth, but in fact, he was the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And Jesus was labeled as just a carpenter, but in fact, he was the God who created the heavens, the earth, and the sea. And Jesus was marked and accused to be as a glutton, but in fact, he was the bread of life. Jesus was accused to be a blasphemer, but he only spoke truth. Jesus was thought to be a prophet, but in fact, he was the almighty God in Christ. Jesus was perceived as just a teacher, but in fact, he was the source of all wisdom. Jesus was accused of attempting to be the king of the Jews, but in fact, he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the king of the world. They, they would diagnose him as dead and lay his body in a tomb. But in fact, he would rise up again on the third day and reign forevermore. Come on, if you got Jesus, you got power to overcome. If you got Jesus, you can change. If you got Jesus, there's a chance to be transformed. If you got Jesus, you got a chance to be delivered. Just let Jesus touch your life. Let, just, let Jesus speak into your life. Let the great physician talk to you. Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. I feel the Holy Ghost in the house. God's talking to some people. Oh, I just believe he's here. I just believe he's more than enough. I just wanna, I just wanna know what he says about me. I don't care what you've been labeled as. That's not what Jesus says about you. I don't care if you've been given a diagnosis from the psychiatrist. What does the great physician say about you? Hey, I know this is simple. I know this is simple, but we got to apply this. We got to live this. Great are his thoughts towards you. Can I just tell somebody, you're not broken, you're beautiful. Can I just say, tell somebody, he can make all things new. I don't care what, what's happening in your marriage, your situation, in your life, in your health. I'm telling you, God can make all things new. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore. 
He has not changed. His arm is not waxed short. There is nothing he cannot touch. There is nothing he cannot reach. There is nothing he cannot do. I'm closing. Musicians come. I was reminded reading this. Studying this out, I'm reminded of a, of a situation I experienced working in the ER at Sacred Heart. And then one night we had a, a patient that apparently had an overdose on MDMA and was, you know, not sane and volatile and combatant with the security staff and wrestling with the security staff and just, just chaos, just absolute chaos and in the hallway, he went into cardiac arrest. And we began to do several rounds of CPR and begin to shock his heart. And, and, and time after time, deliver all the medications, all the drugs. The doctors are consulting with other doctors. They're trying to figure out, how do we save this young man? How do, how do we save this young man? And we're trying everything. Over 30 minutes go by and usually by this time, that long, without having adequate perfusion to the brain, it's usually not looking too good. The doctors gave up hope. A common phrase they use at the end of a traumatic event or cardiac arrest or resuscitation is they ask, does anybody else have any other suggestions? Anybody else have any thoughts? We've tried everything. We've, we've thrown the book at them. We've done everything in our power, everything in our power to resuscitate this young man. And it's common when you don't feel the pulse, the doctor, the doctor in the world has the authority to declare death. They, they've gone to the you know, medical school and they, they have the authority to practice, practice medicine. Emphasis on the practice. Listen, the God that created this human body, he ain't practicing. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he is doing. He created you. Every cell, every organ, every organelle in your body, he created himself. He formed you in your mother's womb. He's not practicing. He's perfected it. He's a good God. And the doctor, we've tried everything else. We've we exhausted all resources. Exhausted all resources. Is there anything else, anything else you guys think we can do? No response. We just assume. We just assume. That's it. That's, that's it. It's done. The doctor declares, okay, time of death, 817 diagnosed death that's what's going to be written on his death certificate he's going to be placed in a body bag placed a, uh, put a toe tag on and, and this, is, this is his diagnosis this is his fate this is his fate several people start leaving the room people start filing out 
I don't know what made me do it. I just felt one more time for a pulse. Just felt one more time. And as I began to feel for a pulse, to my shock, my disbelief, there was a pulse. He had been declared dead by a practicing physician, but there was still life in him. There was still life in him. Let's all stand in the house. I'm reminded of the story of Eutychus in Acts chapter 20, verse 9 through 12. Scripture says, And there sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus, being fallen into a deep sleep. And Paul was long preaching. He sunk down with sleep and fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead. And Paul went down and he fell on him. And embracing him said, Trouble not yourselves, for there is life in him. They said he was dead, but Paul, Paul said there's life in him. And I just, I just believe, I have such a burden for this. I have such a burden for somebody that feels like my situation is dead. My ministry is dead. I've given up hope on my marriage. I, I've tried every resource. I've tried AA. I've tried NA. I've, I've tried everything. I, I can't get rid of this addiction. I can't get rid of these thoughts. I can't get rid of, of this poor self-esteem. And my situation seems dead. But I'm telling you, there is life. You've been misdiagnosed. There is life in the house. There is life in this house. Oh, there's life in this house. If you need the Holy Ghost, I want you to come up to the altar and lift your hands, begin to repent of your sins. The musicians are going to play, and they're going to sing a song. As you begin to lift your hands, repent of your sins, the Bible says that God breathed in the breath of life into the nostrils of Adam. He, he had no source of life. He was, he was dead. He was just shaping in dirt. But God, his spirit blew into his nostrils. And there was life. And the Bible says that Adam became a living soul. If you need God to breathe life into your situation, if someone just wants to defy the diagnosis, defy what the enemy has said about you, and defy the lies of the enemy, I'm telling you, the breath of God is in here. The life, the pneuma, the spirit is in here. Oh, he's alive today. Just let him breathe on you. Just let him get his hands on you. Just let him speak into your life. Just let him speak into your situation. Come on, let's lift our voice. God, I'm desperate for you. I need you. I need you. Holy Ghost, come in this house. God, Holy Ghost, come in this house. Speak into every life, every situation, every mind. God has not forsaken you. Oh, he has not shut up his mercies towards you. Oh, just remember how good he is. Just give him another chance. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Oh, they shall mount up on wings like eagles. Oh, they shall walk and not grow weary. Oh, they shall run and not grow faint. Holy Ghost, come in this house. Da da ba 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 